I'll say it one more time. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. It's good to have you all in the house. And again, as I said earlier, my name is Brian. Just the past year, so glad to have everybody in the room online. And here's the thing. We don't always lean into every single holiday, you know, that happens throughout the year. There's almost one every other week now. But, you know, it's my first Mother's Day here in Northern Hills, and I just thought we'd make today about the ladies. It's a ladies' Sunday. I thought I'd get a little bit more of a response from the ladies in the room. I thought I'd get a little bit more love. But, um, and don't worry, this is not just a sermon to the ladies. This is for all of us, okay? So don't worry about that. And ladies, maybe one of these days we'll have like Priscilla Shire in or Beth Moore or something, but you're stuck with me today. Okay, you cheered a little too loudly about that. You're like, please not, Brian. Okay, well, just kidding. But we're gonna have some fun today. Who's gonna help me preach this thing? Anybody gonna help me out a little bit? We're gonna have some fun. Now, here's the deal. Proverbs 31, verse 30, it says this, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now it's worth asking the question right now, what women really do get praised in our culture though? Truly, like which ones get all the tension and the accolades? Maybe like a woman who might come to mind is someone like Oprah, right? The ultimate power woman who's like building an empire. Her net worth is closing in on $3 billion. Maybe it's Oprah. Or maybe some of you guys like, maybe like a Kylie Jenner type, you know, the ultimate like Renaissance one, business mogul, model, socialite, also rich and famous, all those things. For the younger ladies, maybe like a Charlie D'Amelio, the most followed TikToker on planet earth, who's now shaping the lives of all the young women today. This is not shocking. You know, the women who get the attention, it's fame. You know, it's fortune, it's physical appearance. And let's just be honest, for most of us, these are standards that are not only just unrealistic, but maybe even impossible. Can we just acknowledge that? I'm gonna give just a special shout out to the moms in the room. Moms, do any of your lives feel like maybe this meme here on the screen, the hot mess mom? Is that more of your life? Is that a better description of kind of what the daily experience is? I almost didn't put this in the message, but I couldn't help myself because it's way too accurate for my current situation right now. Has this been anybody's life right here? I thought this was pretty good. Mom, mom, mommy, seriously, I'm on the toilet. Can anybody testify that that's been your life at some point in time? Those are called weekdays in the bigger household right there. All right, it's real. And here's the thing, for all of us, and again, ladies in particular, it can feel like, there's just not enough time. There's not enough energy. There's not enough arms to like meet all of the demands. I was on a phone call with my sister just last week and after she's got two little kids at home. She's like, Brian, there's only one word that describes my life right now. It is relentless. That's the only word I can even think about. I talk to women in our church sometimes and there's literally women in this church that tell me they spend hours every single day just doing pickups and drop-offs for like school and everything. You're like a free Uber service just for your kids. It's very real. Like this is the life. And whether it's self-imposed or just a cultural standard, many of us get to points in our lives where we're like, you know what? I'm not quite living up to the standard I was hoping for. Like I don't have the body I'd like to have. I don't have the time I'd like to have. And most of life just feels like an endless monotony of just unrewarded and thankless tasks. That's kind of the life. But it's worth asking, what kind of woman should be praised? What kind of woman really should get the attention in our culture? And what kind of woman does God actually praise? Because this may not be shocking. God actually has some different standards on the type of women we should be lifting up and celebrating in our culture. And that's really what this message is. 
our responsibility collectively as individuals in a church to celebrate and cultivate the type of women that God really wants to see formed in this world. So we're talking about what makes for a praiseworthy woman and how do we help encourage that in the women in our lives. And so we're gonna dig through this passage a little bit. The first thing I wanna let us see is that we need to praise her beauty. Praise her beauty. Now, this writer in Proverbs just said, beauty is fleeting. Has anybody in here hit the age in life where you are now officially racing against time and your bodily functions and appearance? I hit that number in my life. I'm officially racing against it. Some of you guys know, things just don't quite work the way they used to work. Um, they don't quite look the way they used to look. I'm going to leave that open to your imagination because I know that's very personal for all of us. But that's just the experience. Our culture is cruel to women when it comes to the aging process. Like, just downright mean. These are actual tabloids about women in our culture that you would see in the grocery store line right here. One of them is her body crisis. How would you like that written about you as you're walking out of the shopping? Another one, she will never be sexy again. This is a woman who was pregnant at the time. That's really kind and nice. This was my favorite one though, this is my favorite one. Losing the fight with cellulite. It's just all sorts of inappropriate, but it's cruel. Cause you're like, geez, she's not 19 anymore. She's got three kids. She's trying to go on vacation with her family. Let's cut her a little bit of a break. And this is why it's so critical guys that we don't place moral value on physical appearance. That can be a very dangerous, slippery slope. But here's the thing. It's not about not praising beauty. It's about praising the right kind of beauty. And actually Peter was a writer in the New Testament and he was writing specifically to women at this point in his letter. And this is what Peter says to the women, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, a moment of confession, ladies. Do I got any ladies in here? You are a clothes lady, shoes, got any shoes ladies in the house, okay? Any ladies willing to confess that you spent more than 20 minutes on your hair this morning? Anybody, anybody brave enough to admit that? Any guys more than 20 minutes on your hair this morning? See, a lot of bald heads in this room, all right? Yeah, I see that. Maybe not so much. Now, I want to be careful here because Peter is not saying that you can't have nice clothes and you can't primp and prune now and then and spend some time here. That's what he's not saying. He's saying you have to be very careful that you don't find your identity, your security, or your self-worth in your physical appearance it can become a very unhealthy obsession for women in particular. We just have to be honest, that's the challenge. And even though this is how our culture operates, Peter says, this is not how the women of God should operate. And so he gives this alternative. He talks about this inner self. He talks about this unfading beauty. Now, I know when you hear that, some of you guys are like, awesome, thanks for the cliche, Brian. You know, people tell you, you're beautiful on the inside. And you're like, thank you for the consolation prize. I know what that really means. You know, it's not really a compliment sometimes. And yet here's what's so interesting. When Peter's talking about the inner self, the real idea here is the hidden person in the heart. Now catch this, this is why this is critical. Just because something is hidden doesn't mean it can't be perceived and experienced. Okay, and so what Peter's saying is there is a real tangible beauty that begins on the outside and starts to express itself in your full life and can absolutely be recognized by other people. This is not just some genetic lottery that a few people win. This is available to every single woman and it can be cultivated. And Peter even says it's unfading. This is an eternal beauty. 
So what are we talking about? What is this beauty? Well, Peter calls it a gentle and quiet spirit. Now you hear that word gentle and some of you later is like, all right, here comes the pastor. He's going to tell me to be weak and submissive and roll over for all the men in my life and just be a doormat. All right, let's close in prayer. Now, hold out. Don't, don't kill me yet, ladies. All right, don't kill me. Give me a minute. Interestingly, Jesus at one point in time calls himself gentle. Matthew 11, he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. So Jesus uses this as a descriptor for himself. There's another point in the Bible where gentleness is one of the top nine Christian characteristics all of us are challenged to have. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. It's one of them. Interestingly, too, one of the necessary qualifications for a pastor in the Bible is gentleness. Paul says you cannot be violent, but gentle. So we're not talking about weakness here. What does it mean to be gentle by biblical definition? It actually is power under control. That's gentleness. It's a form of strength, actually. It is having the ability to cause massive harm and wreak a lot of havoc, and yet having an even greater power to practice restraint. It's power under control. And so even for you ladies, when you think about it in here, your whole life is just a hurricane going around you, right? There's smushed Cheerios in the car. The house is an explosion. Everything's drama. And yet you are just a gentle stream in your spirit. That is what Peter is talking about. But he also talks about a quiet spirit. And again, some of you are like, oh, great. Now I got to be shy and timid. This is what all the churches say. And some of you ladies, you got high volume personalities. All right. You, and we love you because you're all the fun at the party. All right. We love that. This ain't an issue of volume. This is not a volume thing. A better way to understand this would be a well-ordered spirit. That's what Peter's talking about. He's saying you need to have an inner life that is so grounded. It is so secure. It is so at peace that it does not matter what kinds of emotions and stressors and pressures are pulling on your life. You have a strong, tranquil foundation in your soul. And Peter says, this is of great worth in God's sight. Now, what's funny is that's actually a financial term. He's kind of using a money phrase there. He's saying a lot of people like to spend money on clothes and hair and shoes. And while that's not even necessarily wrong, he's saying what God sees as truly expensive and valuable is this kind of beauty. Now, I actually had a professor in grad school. She was an older lady, and here's the thing, by all cultural definitions, she would not be considered a physically attractive woman. All right, that's just real talk. And yet, this lady was one of the most attractive women I have ever encountered in my life. She had an aura around her. Like she was one of the most captivating women I have ever experienced in my life. And it was actually this experience with her and some other times in my life when I've had this moment where I've actually kind of given this a term. Because I'm like, what is it that's different about some of these women in particular? And what it is at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with, again, physical appearance, net worth or fame. Some women glow. Some women have the presence of God radiating so powerfully out of their lives that they actually glow. And it's not something you can perceive with your eyes, but you cannot deny it when you see it happening in a woman's life. And I've actually used this term with a lot of people when I talk about it. I'm like, some women just have the glow effect. They just have this presence about them that is just so different 
and you cannot deny it. Men, you actually know this when you see it, even though you can't articulate it, because you treat these women differently. You talk differently around them, you behave differently around them because their beauty demands that you treat them differently. You just do. But ladies, especially you younger ladies in here, you have a culture screaming at you that you need to look a certain way, you need to act a certain way to get the attention that you really desire, to have the life that you really want. And what I'm here to tell you today is that it is a lie. God did not design you to flaunt yourself. He designed you to radiate eternal, unfading beauty. That's what you were made for. And so instead of buying into this lie of primping and trying to live up to the standards of the culture, I'm just going to say, you got to glow wherever you go. <laughs> That's the real challenge for the ladies in here. You got to bring that glow wherever you're going. So if you're a student in here, you bring it into your school. You're like, I'm just going to bring God's presence here. It's just going to flow out of me. When all of your interactions, when you go to work, at home, you're like, I'm just going to bring the glow. God, give me the glow. That is the real beauty that I want. And here's the thing for all of us in here, we all have a responsibility to encourage this kind of process in a woman's life. And so who are the women in your life right now? You got sisters, you got a wife, you got a niece, little girls, whatever it is. How are you speaking this into the women in your life? You say, man, I see such a beauty in your life. Like I see God in you. Your spirit is so beautiful. I see what you're becoming. I see the woman you're growing into and you just speak and affirm and encourage it. God says, that is the beauty we need to praise. That's what needs to be celebrated in our culture. Praise her beauty, the unfading beauty that only God can give. Praise her beauty. How are we doing, guys? We're doing pretty good. We're gonna keep moving along here. Praise her beauty. Next one here, praise her faith. Praise her faith. Now, this writer in Proverbs said, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, again, we'll give the moms a little love right here. Moms, can we just acknowledge momming is hard? Like seriously, no, it's really, really hard. Like you never feel like you're living up to all of the demands that are required for being a mom. Uh, we have a worship rehearsal on Thursday nights here to get ready for Sunday mornings. We do all the music and all that stuff. Well, we have some awesome ladies on this team and some of them are mothers. And it's funny because I'll be here some Thursday nights and me or Solon are always saying, hey, we don't want to keep you guys long. We want to make sure everybody gets out on time. You know, you're sacrificing so much. And I kid you not, even just a couple weeks ago, some of the moms were like, um, my kids don't go down for another hour. Let's make this last as long as it possibly can so I don't have to go home while they're still awake. And all you moms are like, yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Like, that's just real talk right there, though. And so there's just so many demands. It's like, I can't live up to all these expectations. And yet there's one quality that this writer in Proverbs gives us, gives us to praise and focus on, and it is the faith of a woman. And we talk about the fear of the Lord. This is not living in terror of God. It is a holy reverence for God, a genuine relationship with him. We grossly underestimate the power of a woman's faith. We grossly underestimate it. Paul was writing to a young ministry associate of his named Timothy, and he was trying to encourage him. This is an interesting little line, though, that we find in this letter he wrote to Timothy. This is what Paul says. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, just some context here. This is why this is kind of interesting. Timothy's mother was Jewish. She was a Jewish convert to Christianity. 
Timothy's father was a Greek guy. And as far as we know, he never came to faith. At least it's not recorded in scripture, so we can only um, hypothesize. But Timothy would go on to be one of the most important, influential early leaders in the Christian church, leading some of the most history-shaping churches we've ever seen. And Paul is saying that the women in his life are the ones that set him on his spiritual trajectory. He gives his grandmother and his mother the credit for setting Timothy on this path for total historic influence and impact for the kingdom. Now, is it possible, this is a question worth asking, that your greatest impact may be through another person? Is it possible that your greatest impact may be through another person that's not even alive yet? There's a woman who is named Sarah Edwards. I wouldn't expect many people to recognize this name. She lived about 300 years ago. She was married to Jonathan Edwards, who was a pastor at the time. And this lady's life was organized chaos, all right? It was crazy. Just, that's just funny accounts about this lady's life. And yet she was known for having this zealous, passionate faith, for being like a real woman in prayer. And get this, for being committed to raising her 11 children. 11 no, she was not Catholic as far as we know. All right, that was just a joke, I promise. Um, I got two kids and that feels like too many, 11 kids. Now here's what's interesting about Sarah Edwards. She was known for praying for five generations after on a regular basis. This was a regular prayer routine for her family. God, give us five generations of real impact for your kingdom. We really wanna make a difference, five generations. Hundreds of years after she was alive, some historians decided to look into her lineage, because they're like, okay, she prayed about this so often. What kind of impact did this really have? Did it really do anything for what this woman was praying about? So they did a study. Five generations after Sarah Edwards, you want to know what they found? 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, a dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, a dean of a medical school, 88 holders of public office, including a controller of the U.S. Treasury, three mayors of large cities, three senators, three governors, one vice president, 135 books that were published, and over 100 missionaries sent overseas. <laughs> now... These historians, this is what they said about Sarah Edwards, and much of the capacity and talent, intelligence and character of the more than 1,400 of the Edwards family is due to who? Mrs. Edwards. Has any other mother contributed more vitally to the leadership of a nation than Sarah Edwards? The answer is, I think not. Quite a woman right there. And actually some sociologists have even coined this term based on her life called the five generation rule. And they make this case that through the love, the values, the emotional environment, the faith, even the education that you instill in kids coming up behind you can have an impact that lasts five generations deep. I'm telling you guys today, many of us in this room, many of you mothers, your greatest impact is going to be through another person and very likely through another person who isn't even alive yet. And this is why this is so hard for us to fathom sometimes because day to day, it feels like nothing's happening, right? It's endless chores, all the rituals, the routines, the thankless tasks, just maintenance of life, it's survival mode, right? That's what we call it sometimes. And yet it is that very daily faithfulness, the constant labor, the unseen sacrifices that are creating a tidal wave of God's impact and faith for generations to come. 
That is the standard that God gives us. Every single person in here today, who are the kids that God has placed in your life? Do you have some grandkids? Do you have a niece, a nephew, students, kids on the sports team, neighbors, kids in the children's ministry here at the church? Every single one of us has a responsibility to pass a legacy of faith onto the kids coming behind us. It is the greatest gift we can give somebody. And I know some of us in here in this room, you're like, Brian, I was not given any type of legacy, especially of faith. And I would say, I'm really sorry that happened. And it's unfortunate, but you have an opportunity today to decide I am going to start a legacy myself. I'm going to be the first link in the chain. I'm going to be the first rock in that water that causes the splash that makes all the ripples go out. You have that opportunity to leave a massive legacy of faith. And this, honestly, this is where some people get a little stressed out and overwhelmed. Because can we just admit, we all feel like failures sometimes when it comes to the spiritual thing, especially when it comes to like family and kids and all that stuff. We just totally feel like we fall short. I want to get real practical right now. How can you start to create some ripples of real legacy for kids coming up behind you? Real practical. First off, I want to encourage you, start small, like embarrassingly small. Make it so easy, tiny. First off, for any of the kids in your life, pray for them regularly. And don't just make this, oh yeah, I should do that. That's a nice thing. I'm telling you, make a full list of all the kids in your life and then print out a list and put it right on your mirror. Like when you're getting ready, put it on the dashboard of your car. So you're just going to cross it every day. Every time you see it, just pray for one of the kids and don't, don't pray any of those lame sauce prayers. All right. I'm coming after you right now. Okay. None of that. God, just be with them today. Just love them, Lord. And God's like, yeah, I do that every single day. You don't even have to pray for that kind of stuff. Like, can we wrap this up? No, let's do some real prayers. Let's do some God Fill them with your spirit. Give them favor to change and transform this culture, God. Let them start their own legacy of faith in this world. Pray some actual prayers that God need, is needed to answer, right? Bring some real faith to this thing. You got to pray. Make it a priority. Pray for the kids in your life. But also, very simple. Insert God into your daily routines. And keep it so small and simple that, again, it's almost embarrassing. So some of you guys, again, adjust this to your season of life. I know we're all in different places. If you got kids at home, you send them off to school. Make that a moment. Just pray over them real quick. Speak some encouragement into them. Like make that just a special moment before maybe they leave for school or whatever. That's an obvious routine of the day. Um, here's something very simple. Dinner time. Dinner time is sometimes just one of those routines you can really instill with some legacy faith into it. I'm going to tell you guys how you can just rack up some real spiritual points right now, right? Get some points on the board. Anytime you have dinner, if you have family around or any, anybody, just take a Bible. This is one I use. Just flop it right down on the table in the middle of the table for dinner. And I know you, so maybe your kids or family will be like, why is there a Bible on the table? And just be like, because God's word matters. You don't even have to explain it that much. We're just putting a Bible on the table. Guess what? You just got a field goal right there. You got points on the board just for doing that. Now, if you're feeling really feisty that day, you're like, I'm going to get really spiritual or something. Open it up and just read a verse. Just read a verse. And some of you guys are like, Brian, I have no idea what verses to read. Just Google it. Verses to read with kids at dinner. That's what I do. I'm a pastor. That's what I got to do every week, okay? And you read it. Guess what? You just got a touchdown. You got massive points on the board just for doing that. Now, if you're really feeling aggressive and you're like, I really want to go big today. After you read the verse, just say, what do you guys think of that verse? You got any thoughts? Guess what? You just got a two-point conversion. You just killed it that day. You just won the game, all right? You do that every single day. You are racking up points of a real legacy right there. And again, I know you're going to miss it. You're going to forget. We don't do it consistently at home. Guess what? 
It's chaos when I do it at my house, all right? I'm trying to read the Bible and be all holy. My kids are screaming, throwing food. It lasts about 30 seconds, and, but we did it, all right? And it's the consistency that matters sometimes, right? You just do it. So you just instill some of these things in routines. Bedtime, guys, great time. And I know I'm talking about young kids stuff. Adjust it to your season. Think about different creative ways. But that's a wonderful moment just to share with kids, to speak life into them. Read a scripture with them. Find a kid's Bible. Read a little devotional. Just make it a moment. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be fancy. One thing Nicole and I have just learned, again, learning from other people, we do a little verse before bed every night, and we just put a song to it. It's amazing how much kids can memorize if they have a little song. So right now we're doing the fruits of the Spirit with the kid. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've been doing that for like four months with our kids. It's a terrible song. I can't sing, but my kids can sing that forwards, backwards, upside down, reverse, and every single way. We probably need a new verse, honestly. We've got to change it up. But they know that one. Just pick a nursery rhyme, pick a verse. It's simple. Real simple. I had a woman after church tell me, hey, you know what's a fun thing to do? Just ask your kids every day, what are you thankful for? Right before bed. Just do a little thankful. She gave me that idea. I thought it was great. And you know, another thing Nicole and I have done, I'm just giving you tips, things we're learning from other families. I would love for you guys to send in ideas to me. Seriously, it's fun to share ideas. Um, you read through the Bible. There's so many times where people are actually anointed with oil. And I know this is sometimes people think this is like some crazy spiritual thing, but Really, when somebody was anointed with oil in the Bible, it was a way to affirm God's purpose on their life and God's call on their life. So they do it for kings and prophets and priests. It was a way to say, we see God's hand on your life. We know you have a call. God is going to use you greatly. And so actually for our kids, whenever we go through like a milestone, we go to a new grade or something special happens in their life, we just take a little bit of oil right here. We just take a little bit, put it right on their head, and we just say, we see God's hand on your life. We see God in you. God's going to use you. He's got a plan for your life. And it's just a little moment to share with our kids. And here's the thing, my kids have loved it so much. They come up to me a couple times a week. Can I get anointed today, Dad? Can you anoint me today? No, you didn't earn it today, but just another day. <laughs> it's just a little thing, just little ideas. I'm just thinking of stuff. So again, you got older kids, you can do a Bible reading plan together, just work it into your life. Now, here's where I know a lot of people start to feel a lot of guilt and shame though. Because we're like, Brian, I am terrible at this. I feel really stupid. It's even awkward to pray with family members and even spouses. Like, I just feel weird when I do this. And some of you guys, you are probably at a place where, because this hasn't been a part of the routine, if you do try to do this now, if you got kids at home, they're going to be like, oh boy, here goes dad trying to be Jesus again. Okay, let's see what you got, dad. Let's see how lame this prayer is today. Like, I know that. And I just want to encourage you, you're going to feel stupid doing this sometimes. It's going to feel like it's not working. It's going to feel like nobody's engaging. But I'm telling you, even if... You feel dumb, and even if there's sarcastic comments, you just say, you know what, guys? I don't do this perfectly. I know I fall really far short, but I want God to be a part of our family. And so I just want you guys to come on this journey with me. And I just want to see what happens. And if you fall off the horse, you miss a day, a week, a month, just get back on and do your best. And I'm telling you, God will work powerfully in it. Every single one of us in this room has a responsibility to leave a legacy of faith into this next generation. And especially for the women, we want to praise your faith today. And there's just one more piece to this whole deal. And it's show her honor. Proverbs 31, 31, we're going to finish up. It says, honor her for all that her hands have done. Now, when you honor something, you are ascribing value and worth to it. You know when somebody honors something based on how they treat it. It's very obvious. Some of the guys in this room, you honor your golf clubs. You take very good care of those things. 
It's maybe your car, it's your lawn, it's your house. We all have stuff that we take very good careful of, care of. And here's the question though. Does the way I treat the women in my life truly communicate value and worth to them? Paul says in Ephesians, honor your father and mother. We'll emphasize mother today, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now, this is interesting. Paul is quoting one of the Ten Commandments right here. One of God's top ten things for him is honoring your parental authorities in your life. And again, we'll focus on your mother. Think about how important that is to God, that it's in his top ten list. And interestingly, this is the only commandment that does have a promise attached to it. God is saying that in some supernatural way, the way you show honor to your mother is directly correlated to the experience you have in this life. There's a direct correlation of those things. And you wonder, why does God care so much about his honoring mothers? Why would he even care? Because again, your relationship with God is directly affected by your ability to honor your mother. It just is. And it's a really good temperature gauge for your relationship with God. Now, this is where I know things can get a little touchy because all of us in here have very different dynamics when it comes to the women in our lives. I know there's a lot of relational strain. There can be a lot of drama. There can be a lot of history. This is not as simple as, yeah, just show them honor and do it. It looks very different and it's very nuanced. But I just have to ask everybody, even just a question today. Is anybody here today because of a woman? I should all be seeing some nods right now. Right now, okay? Think of your basic biology right now. <laughs> All of us on some level are here because a woman paid a price in some form. And I know there's different ways that can happen, but the sacrifices of women have allowed us even to have this life right here in this moment. And when you think about the women in your life, it's worth asking, are there women I need to show some honor to because of the role they've played in my life? You know, I think of some of the women and even in my own life, one woman comes to mind, Ruth. Ruth was actually a woman that I lived with while I was in seminary, her and her family. And this is what was so crazy about Ruth. She was in her 80s already when I was living with her. This was the most spunky, energetic lady I've ever seen in my entire life. It was scary. She was still like paddleboarding in her 80s. There was even one moment when I was living with her family. It was 1 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday night. And she comes knocking on my door and she's like, Brian, Brian, I want to start tearing the carpet out in the house. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. She's like, no, right now. We're gonna start tearing it out right now. So we spend a whole Saturday night ripping carpet out. She's an 80-year-old woman on her hands and knees ripping carpet out, running a full counseling practice full-time. She was a force to be reckoned with. And the funny thing, not the funny thing about Ruth, but even just a few weeks ago, um, her husband passed away, Dave, who also played an important role in my life. And, you know, it's always so inconvenient to fly across the country, get to Chicago, last minute and all that stuff. But I just knew this woman deserved honor. And she was worth a last minute flight of getting there and then even back on church that Saturday night because she's a woman I really want to show some honor to. I think of actually a woman, Alicia, is a woman who's played a role in my life. She was part of a church I pastored in Indianapolis for a couple of years. Alicia is a fascinating woman. She's fluent in seven languages. She's a professor at a university out there, this wonderful lady. 
And she would always call me her little bro. She said, Brian, you're my little bro. I'm looking out for you. And the thing I love about Alicia is we've stayed close even to this day. About a week and a half ago, we were on the phone, and she's always asking, I want to hear about the church. How's the church going, Brian? I want to check in. She's one of my personal prayer intercessors. I have a group of people that pray for me regularly, and she's always getting updates on prayer needs and everything. Just love Alicia. We're trying to get her grandkid to marry one of my kids. We're setting that up right now. It's in the plans. Okay? We're working on it right now. There's another lady, though. I think Lily. Lily is a woman who's been in my life. She lived across the street from Nicole and I at one season in our life, and she was this crazy, busy, single mom, just holding it all together, working, just juggling all of the things, and Nicole and I would try to help her as much as we could. And the thing that was just so sweet about Lily, with all of the demands she'd have going on, everything, she would cook these massively elaborate feasts for the neighborhood. And truly, to this day, I have never met a better cook than Lily in my entire life. And Nicole knows this. This is public information, okay? Lily is the single greatest cook I have ever seen in my life. And without fail, Lily texts me every single holiday during the year. It doesn't matter what the holiday is. She will text and reach out. And as I was saying that in the last service, guess what text came in on my phone? Lily. Lily, I love you. She sent the text. Happy Mother's Day. Love her so much. But I got I to at least just acknowledge even just my own wife, Nicole. She's in San Francisco right now um, for a wedding, but the mother of my two kids, just been an incredible woman in my life. And some of you guys who haven't had a chance to meet Nicole, she's told me many times, Brian, if you ever make me get on that stage at Northern Hills, I will kill you. <laughs> because we're very different in that way. She doesn't wanna be upfront in any shape or form. But the things you guys need to know about my wife is she is up every single day without fail hours before the sun on her hands and knees praying out to God on behalf of this church on behalf of you guys and she is just a powerful force for the kingdom and just a wonderful woman to have in this church but I actually I had this special moment I promise I'll wrap this up I got to at least acknowledge my own mother too who deserves some honor and actually it just worked out that I actually got my mother in here right now today so mom just love you so much it's good to have you um I needed backup with Nicole out of town, and it's worked out that way. You know, the funny thing about my mom, though, growing up, we never missed church. Like, it was just a thing. Like, you will not miss church. I can count the amount of times we missed church on less than one finger. It was just that intense. And if I had a sports thing going on, she's like, great, you're just going to wear your uniform to church. Like, we're just going to do this. And I know you can sometimes be a little bit too intense about that, but something that my mom just instilled in me was this priority that God had in our lives. He comes first, and his people matter. And being in community, corporate worship, Sundays, they matter. And mom, I just want to thank you so much. You've been so faithful, so wonderful for Dan and I. And I wouldn't be here today you know, if it wasn't for you. So just love you so much. I love the relationship we have even today. So thank you, mom. Love you. Yeah. You guys, what women in your life deserve some honor? What women can you show some honor to? And I don't want this just to be a Mother's Day thing. This needs to be a priority for us to lift up the women in our lives, to praise their beauty that we see forming in them by God's power, to praise the faith that they are living out and even instilling in the generations coming up and to show them honor. Northern Hills, I really believe God is calling us to be a church that sets the bar for this world in showing honor and value to the women in our lives. I want us to be a church that really raises up some of the greatest women the kingdom has ever seen, leaving generational legacies 
encouraging and speaking that into their lives. And this is not just some nostalgic sentimentality, guys, for Mother's Day. This is way more than that. I don't want us to miss this. Jesus himself set the bar for our treatment of women. When he was on the cross, you have to understand this, Jesus is on the cross at this moment. He's experienced horrible, brutal torture and he's about to die. We only have seven statements from Jesus at this moment in his life. And one of them revolves around his mother. So just catch this moment, Jesus is on the cross. And this is what we see in John 19. When Jesus saw his mother there, that's Mary, and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus is at the worst moment of his entire life. And he has the frame of mind to prioritize the care of his mother and make sure she has everything she needs after he's gone. And that wasn't even the greatest gift that Jesus gave her in that moment. In that moment, as he was caring for her needs, he was dying for her sins. And he opened the door of heaven to his own mother so she could have a real relationship with the living God and have the hope of eternity. And for every single one of us, so many women have made massive sacrifices for us to even be here today. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice so we could have the hope and joy that only God can give. And for anybody here today, you can have that. You can reach out to Jesus. You can have a relationship with him. You can have forgiveness of your sins and you can live the life he made you for. And so we're gonna take a moment and pray and we're gonna sing one more song just singing about this amazing God who is worthy of our worship. So let's pray right now. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for the women you've placed in our lives. Thank you for all their sacrifices. I just pray a special blessing over the women in this room who are just doing so much to serve, to give, just to bring your presence into this world. We do pray for the mothers right now, that you continue to strengthen and encourage and give them hope that all of us, Lord, can leave a lasting legacy of faith in the generations coming up behind us. Lord, give us just the courage and strength to persevere through the daily sacrifices and commitments we all need to make. And for all of us, Lord, we thank you that you truly made the ultimate sacrifice that we can have the hope of heaven, that we can live into your purposes even in this life. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.